Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, everyone. I'm Judy Sedgman, and I'm here with my very dear, wonderful friend and fabulous therapist and um, just wonderful all-around person. <laughs> just great to be <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't come up with the new new positive things to say each other about each other. We yeah. love each other so much. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Christine Heath, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. Yeah. So Chris is in Hawaii, and I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, today we thought, you know, given the state of the world that we live in and the fact that so many people get to cross purposes. I mean, they can't even start a conversation before they disagree, it seems like. Uh, and there's so many issues that are just uh, where people are entrenched, rigidly entrenched in certain points of view. We thought it would be a good idea to talk about finding common ground <clears throat> and the illusion of separate realities. <clears throat> and so uh, we're going to give this a shot and please <laughs> don't go right to your head. <laughs> And start thinking, I don't want to find common ground with those idiots. <laughs> because that's what like, people do. So, uh, you know, try to stay neutral for a little while anyway. Um, you know, I, for a long time, I, I think I didn't realize. I, I, was, I was in high school. I was in debate club. And, I, you know, we did a lot of uh, debating. And the one thing that I learned from debate club was that you're not very good at debating or discussing with other people if you don't understand their point of view. And so it, it shocked me when we did debate preparation that we spent as much time creating the arguments for the opponent's side as we did for our own. With the idea being, if we understood their perspective, that we would be able to come up with logical responses or, you know, an argument that they could hear. And that has helped me through life. I have to say, even when I was all caught up in my intellect, knowing that it helped a lot to, to find out what other people really thought before you wrote them off was a good idea, uh, was very helpful to me. It's certainly helpful to me in business. And uh, when, I, when I got involved in the principles, I suddenly realized, oh, this is bigger than what I thought. You know, this is much, much deeper because I was up in my head thinking, well, this point of view, that point of view, but, you know, this could be right, that could be right. And then I realized to the thinker, it's always right. The person who's thinking it, it's right. <laughs> you know, And that what we have to realize is much deeper than just staying at that le intellectual level, but to see that when a person is passionately committed to a point of view, um, they they honestly can't see beyond that. When they look out through their eyeballs, they're seeing their thoughts come alive as reality. And so are we. Now, the thing about that occurred to me as I started to get more involved in the principles is that I started to see how sort of shaky the foundation of all of it was. So even though my th I would think of something and my thoughts would come alive, 
<clears throat> and I'd be thinking, wow, that's, that's got to be right. That's the way to do it. I would realize, oh, I just thought that up. You know, I created that. And, uh, and it, if I stop thinking about it, it'll dissolve. It has no life except the life that I created for it. And so I stopped taking my thinking so seriously. I started to realize that you could take a look at something that you it occurred to you that seemed like a good idea. And um, you didn't have to get attached to it. You know, if it was a good idea, it might stick around or somebody else might see it and like it or add to it. Uh, but ideas come and go. But they don't come and go if you fall in love with them. You know, and, that's, and I see that that's what happens because people are operating from their intellect, not from any deeper understanding of the power that we have as human beings to think. You know, it's really true. My, my husband told me once, he said, honey, you think you're right all the time. And I told him, I said, well, I'm right so much. It's really hard for me to tell when I'm not. <laughs> And I think that's probably true for most people is that we think we're right about whatever, whether it's what you think about yourself, you know, like I'm fat. So people tell you, oh, no, you're not fat. And you go, what do you know? You're just saying that, you know, it's like there's just a way that we kick out information that's different from what we think. And I think one of the things that's happening now is that we live in this this age of information. And, and it's become the age of misinformation. So it's people have seen how to manipulate people by giving them information that suits their beliefs or their agenda, right? And when people don't understand that the information, the details of our thought aren't as important as listening to the feeling state we're in when we're thinking, they can really get carried away with whatever they're thinking. And it's kind of like you get up on your high horse and believe me, I, I've, I've been up there several times. Um, <laughs> and it, because it looks like you're right. And that's kind of the way that's what consciousness does. And when we don't understand how we work psychologically, how consciousness and thought work together to create that feeling of I'm right, this is accurate. It's because it is just a feeling. Cause if you've ever had a thought about something like, like back in the day, this is going to date me again, but when microwaves first were invented, right, they came out and somehow I got it in my head that microwaves created cancer. So I was not going to buy one. So I didn't. And I was pontificating my beliefs one day and somebody said to me, they said, well, Chris, they're just radio waves. And I was like, what? That's all they are? <laughs> And it was like, I went out and bought a microwave the next day, right? But I remember <laughs> that moment of like, how could I have been so stupid to not know that? But I just didn't know it. I didn't pay attention to that. I made it up in my head and didn't know that that's how thought worked. So I lived. But now that particular thing didn't cause me any pain and suffering, right? But People live in beliefs and thoughts that cause them great pain and suffering. And when we get caught up in the details of thought, we get really um, uh, self-righteous about what we think, and we kind of lose our compassion for the other person. So that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of 
finding common ground is, is really seeing that you want to connect with other people rather than be right, which means you got to listen to what they're thinking, ask questions, be interested, not in a way that you want to, you know, show them what idiots they are, but really to see like what's behind this in them. Cause people have whatever their beliefs are, whether it's a religious thing or it's a political thing or, it's something they've got some, uh, and in my mind, most people have what they would call higher level thoughts, right? That they're there. It's a moral thing, or it's, um, the thing that's going to help the planet or in some way, shape, there's, there's a way that those thoughts look like a little bit more justified in keeping. And so as people get caught up in that, their state of mind drops and then they're caught up in just their information so they don't get the full effect and they make up stuff about what's true mm-hmm. and what's not. We all do that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, and this is kind of a, a, a simple little example, but when I, when I moved into a subdivision in Florida about 15 years ago, when I first moved in, um, I lived, I had a dog for one thing and I lived catty corner from a lady that people warned me about. They all said, don't go near her property. She's horrible. You know, she's really mean and she hates dogs. She hates dogs. And if your dog even sets foot on her grass, she'll be out with a broom yelling at you and whacking at your dog. And so, you know, I, when I first couple of times I walked the dog, she was out in her yard planting flowers and I walked by and I, walked across the street and ignored, you know, tried to ignore her and hasten the dog past her house. And then I looked back and I thought, you know, she's, she's planting flowers. I mean, how, how angry and horrible can she be? (laughs) I love flowers. And so, so on my way back from my walk, I deliberately walked, I didn't let the dog up on the grass, but I walked on her side of the street and she was still out there. And I stopped and I said, um, yeah, your flowers are very pretty. I really like what you're planting. And she looked up at me and she saw my dog and she said, don't let that dog on my grass. Don't let that mud anywhere near my grass. And I said, no, I won't. I, I, I understand you don't want dogs on your grass. I've got a hold of them and, and I'm, I'm holding the dog close. And she said, all right. And then she just turned back to her planting and I said, uh, well, have a good day. And I walked on and and I thought, well, that didn't go too badly. <laughs> you know, so, well, anyway, everybody said that she was just a horrible, bitchy woman. And when somebody, one of the neighbors who saw me talking to her said, yeah, she probably gave you a few, you know, few of her nasty thoughts. And I said, well, she wasn't overly pleasant, but she really, she was fine. And I said, I went home and I was thinking about that. And I thought, she doesn't she never said anything to me that gave me a clue as to what she really thinks. She's just, you know, scared. She's scared of people. That's the thought I had. So, um, as it turned out, as I walked past, every time I walked past there, if she was outside, I'd just wave and say, hi, or how are you doing? And then one day I stopped to talk and I said, you know, um, everybody's really good here about picking up their dog's poo and everything. And I, I, I did something happen that, you know, that made it hard for you that, that you're really upset about dogs. And she started crying. And I said, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to ask a rude question. And she said, no, no. She said, no, it's not. It's, it's all right. She said, before I moved here, I had, a, I had a dog 
And then she started telling me about this beloved dog she had that lived for like 17 years. And it was some kind of spaniel and how she loved that dog so much. And she could never get another dog. And she said, you know, it, it, it's just hard for me to see people and their dogs, you know, and I, I don't want reminders of dogs. <laughs> and, um, and, I, I, and, and I really miss my dog and she's crying. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I really am sorry. I know how hard that is. And I said, goodness, I've, I've lost pets over the course of my life. And they, every one of them is like losing a child. You know, it's really hard. And I'm so sorry. And I'll, I respect that. And I, I'll, you know, I'll come by and talk to you sometime without my dog. And uh, so I took the dog home. And later on that day, I just walked down to her house. And I, she was, she was outside a lot. She liked to sit on her porch. She had a little rocker out there. And she, uh, she was out and I said, hi. And she said, oh, she said, uh, hi. And then I said, I just, I was just taking a little walk by myself. I thought I'd just stop by and see how you're doing. And she said, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. And she was pleasant, but you know, I just kept walking. So the next morning as I'm walking my dog home, she calls me over and she says, do you like blueberry muffins? And I said, oh, I love blueberry muffins. And she said, well, I just baked some. Wait right here. I'll bring you one. And she brought me this big, fluffy blueberry. It was delicious. She brought me this big blueberry muffin wrapped in a pretty napkin. And I, I, like I say, I lived catty corner. I didn't have far to go. And I, took my blue, and I took my blueberry muffin home. And I said, oh, I just put on some coffee before I left to walk my dog. This is wonderful. I'll eat your muffin with my coffee. And, uh, and that, to me was a moment at which I really realized we never know what other people are thinking. Everybody in the neighborhood, because she was so insecure and so sad about her dog, she couldn't express it. And nobody would want to talk to her long enough to try to understand her. And so she was all locked up inside with how she hated people and their dogs and all these happy people walking their happy little dogs. And she lost her dog. And, and I learned a lot from that in interaction because I realized if sometimes when people are really attached to their thoughts, it's not so much the content of the thoughts they're attached to. They're afraid of something, of having to talk about it. They're, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck in, and they don't want to talk about it or they don't, they want to talk about, they want to talk about something else and hide whatever it is that's really going on with them. They just don't want to connect. And so when we talk about finding common ground, we're really talking not about changing the subject or, you know, trying to find a thread in their conversation that, you know, you can agree with or, you know, getting into your mind and trying to sort it out. We're talking about looking at the human being behind the thought, you know, and looking at to see to the feeling and, you know, to me, I think I was just lucky, but it, she just felt kind of sad and lost to me and, and, you know, friendless, but I just couldn't see her as nasty. I just didn't see that. I saw there was something going on and that she was, she was insecure and she was defending herself. And I, I really feel we've lost that. We've lost the intuitive connection that people used to have. You know, I think when people used to not try to exchange every message on Twitter, you know, messaging or whatever. And when people talked on the phone or they sat on their porch together and rocked and talked, you know, had long silences that they began to get a feeling for each other. 
and or people like me that got trained in debate so that when I was listening to somebody else, I was listening for their their commitment to their point of view, you know, so that I could respond to it respectfully. That was the other thing we were taught is always respond respectfully, don't make fun of people. And um, I think we're losing that human connection because, like Chris said, this brilliant statement that we're in the age of information and just facts flying back and forth. Well, non-facts, but things that look like facts flying back and forth on the Internet and television and phones. And, and, you know, we need to really realize that behind every human being, what the common ground that we we really have is our spiritual nature, is the fact that we are beautiful spirits and before we come up with ideas and start expressing them we're just pure thought the pure capacity to make up stuff and that's what we have in common and that is the common ground yeah and you know it, it's kind of like I, I liked what you really said I had loved the feeling about it when you were talking about people sitting on their uh, porch and just kind of talking and like oh yeah oh uh-huh. well that's interesting you know so that you're kind of really interested in the person, not necessarily the information. And we've all gotten really attached to the details of thought. And partly that's because I think in the field of psychology, we've been really focused on thinking. Cognitive therapy is like the big deal, right? Let's change your thinking. So we all want to change each other's thinking. But we don't see that the thinking that the people have is frequently attached to an experience, something that they that happened to them in the past or something they've got in their head attached to a greater good. You know, like a, a lot of times people get upset with each other because they um, don't treat each other very well or they're not in favor of governments that make things equal. You know, just... I'm not being political here, but I'm just saying that these are the kinds of, and then the other person gets mad, like, how could you be so selfish? How could you be so, you know, cruel that you wouldn't want to do this? Well, there's always some fear, as you said, or some, some connection to some moralistic thought, you know, like a religious thing or a, um, a uh, human humanistic thing that you can get caught up in. And then those thoughts seem to elevate in our minds to not just thoughts, but truths. Right. And so because we have a truth in our head and the other person doesn't have it, they're stupid or they're bad people. And so what what I see, like I've had this week, especially, you know, we've had kind of an interesting week in the United States with um, our Supreme Court and different the rights that are being changed. And so I've had several women calling me in tears because of this change. And I don't, uh, other people are very self-righteous about it. Yes, this is really a great thing and I really love it. You know, and it's interesting to me that there's not really much understanding in the other person. You know, the, the other way of thinking looks like an assault. And sometimes it is, mind you. I mean, people do get carried away with their beliefs and and they are not coming from a healthy, high level of consciousness. But you going down to that level and having an argument with them is not going to change their thinking. Like the only way we can 
each go beyond our belief system is to connect at that deeper level of wisdom to see like what's the truth here what will help all of humanity not just people that think like me how what do we need to do for the greater good to be able to live in harmony and in peace with each other and also not you know like victimize people in one way shape or, or the other by one group of people having something the other you know it's like it's just that sense of fairness or doing the right thing like doing the right thing is not always about what we think it's about paying attention to that feeling that people have between them and if we listen to each other and we say like oh i see why she'd be thinking like that i see why that's a thing you may not agree with it you may think it's you know like just another way of thinking but you have you have a connection to the humanity of that person yeah and I, and i think that that's you know, the deepest truth is that we need to see the innocence in thought. The very fact of thought that it's, it's an innocent experience that we create our experience of life by our own thinking. And we all think differently. We all live in our own separate reality that we've created in the moment. But it, it is our reality in the moment. So we're there, you know, it's, it's sort of like when you're wearing those virtual glasses and you, you can play tennis in your living room and you actually have the experience of hitting the ball and the other person hitting it back. Well, it's like we live, we actually live in our own self-created virtual realities and that's an innocent thing. We can't help that. It's, the, it's the human condition. You know, we're thinkers of our own thoughts and we create the world we live in or the experience of the world we live in. And that's, to, to sort of have compassion for that, like, Oh my goodness. You know, I do that too. I get attached to, I, I get lost in my separate reality instead of realizing I could change my mind. And to the degree that I'm speeded up or anxious or excited about a topic or worked up over something, I'm more attached to it <laughs> because the lower my state of mind, the more attached, the more insecure I get, the more attached I am to what I think or the more real my reality looks to me. And, um, I really think, you know, I, 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 I sort of feel the more I see people, you know, just interacting on a daily basis, the more I think, you know, everybody just slow down, just take it easy, you know, just take a look at the real person, look into their eyes, take a moment of silence, connect, you know, because we're so lost in fighting thought to thought. It's like having a laser sword you know it's all, it's all illusion but the light the lightsaber you know they just keep you know smashing at the light and that's what we're doing we're smashing at illusions and there's no winning that mm -hmm. so one of our uh, um one of the members of our the program which are two groups that we do each week where people can come in and talk about uh, anything really they can talk about um, how to help other people with this understanding where they can come in with their own issues. And one of the questions we got, we were asked to talk about this is how do you uh, stay in a good feeling with your friends who think really differently from you? Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you have to see how to, how to finesse the, 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 the rapids you know, it feels like sometimes you get on a fast flowing like river, right? And you're in the white water and you're, 
you got to navigate around the big rocks. But if you stay and, and remember that they're just thinking and you're just thinking and you go to try to connect with that person and really, really like understand where they're coming from, they may not change and you may still think that they're quite, you know, diluted in their thinking, but you'll still feel compassion for the person and you don't get stressed out. Otherwise, one person gets up up in their high horse about their thinking and they're pontificating this and then you're, they're not listening to you. So you get up in your head and think about how, you know, <laughs> awful they are. And then you don't, you get this really bad feeling and it seems like it's coming from them and it's really coming from you and you're thinking about them in the moment. So the more you can stay in it and get quiet, like, you know, that was one of the things we learned from Sydney Banks is that we would sometimes be t- spouting off things that weren't true, things that we were taught in our profession and that, that weren't true. And he would listen so quietly never get in an argument. And he would, it's one thing I just thought of is that he never argued with anybody. He would get really quiet and then say something really simple. And it would resonate in your head. It would be like loud as you could be in your head. And even though he said it from a really quiet feeling, and sometimes he wouldn't say anything at all. He would ignore what you were saying because he just wouldn't go there. So sometimes, you know, it's like we get in there and we think we could change people's thinking, but when people are really attached to their thinking and they don't understand the principles, it's not likely to happen because their thinking looks right. That's where self-righteousness comes from, right? We think we're right. And Mm -hmm. that's that's the the thing is you just can love them and understand that the way that they think about this is odd. So to me, it's like, to me, it's like trying to, um, uh, make it a game. Like, how can I stay in a good feeling with this person and not get myself caught up in their, in their feeling, whatever that is. So sometimes I change the topic. Sometimes I, if I know that there's certain things that they just get really heated about, I don't bring them up and I just try to connect with them in other ways. And then maybe there'll be a time when we could have a conversation about it. Maybe not. Yeah, and it doesn't matter because it's still all made up. So, yeah, it's all you know, made up. And, you know, yeah, then so you might as well make up something you can both talk about, you know. <laughs> right. Kinda, That's right. Because yeah. otherwise, yeah. you not only have a bad feeling in that interaction, but then you go home and keep thinking about it, right? Because right. it's like there's a part of you that knows you're in, in the wrong place. So, that's what, I, that's what we'd say is like, really listen to your wisdom. Sometimes there's a time to say something and sometimes they're not. But, you know, just know that you can stay in a good feeling and have that be your game when you're with people, that you're going to stay in that loving feeling towards them because you love them. And, you know, if they're too hostile or whatever, you can always leave. You know, you right. can always like go away, take a breath, calm down, come back, but know that you're trying to keep your heart pure and not let their, your thoughts about their thoughts make you crazy. Well, that's a great place to stop because <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. We don't want to make ourselves crazy. We sure don't want to encourage other people to be yeah. crazy. So, you know, just try love and understanding. That's always the answer. So it's, and, and it's just listen, L- listen for the door to be open. You never know. But if the door is not open, don't try to bang it down. Right. 
<laughs> anyway, it was fun. We'll, we'll be looking forward to seeing you next week. And so for now, bye-bye. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 